Immunocast is brought to you by Immunocap specific IgE testing and Fadia laboratory systems. Products of Thermo Fisher Scientific. I'm Gary Falsitano, a licensed PA with over 11 years experience in allergy and immunology. And I'm Luke Lemons with over five years of experience writing for healthcare providers and educating on allergies. You're listening to Immunocast, your source for medically and scientifically backed allergy insights. Well, yeah, here we are. The first episode, Gary. Yeah. All right. We're going to do this. I know. How are you feeling? Feeling good. We're going to have a nice conversation. It's going to be relaxed, informative. Everybody's going to want to listen. Yeah, well, for everyone listening in, welcome to the first episode of Immunocast, your source for medically backed allergy education. I'm Luke Lemons. And I'm Gary Falsitano. Yeah, so we're super excited to be sharing this new podcast for healthcare providers where we're going to be discussing everything and all things allergies. For sure. And, you know, while this podcast is meant for primary care providers, we encourage specialists and patients to listen in as well with the hope of providing you with the fast, interesting, insightful, and helpful information on all the different facets of allergy, from food and respiratory allergies to guidelines and practice parameters. Exactly. And you may notice that this episode has a subtitle that says curbside consult. And in these episodes, we're going to be talking about a specific topic through the lens of a clinic or a practice. And so this will feature discussions more around guidelines, the clinical impact of the topic we're talking about, as well as how it fits into a medical practice. There will be other subtitles down the line. So if you see any other Immunocast episodes with different subtitles, those are going to be around different themes. Absolutely. And so so think of curbside consults as just that, a consult in the hallway between patients. So being that this podcast is about allergies, it, it makes sense that the first curbside consult episode is going to be about specific IgE testing or allergic sensitization testing. And we're going to be talking about how providers can use this kind of testing to help diagnose allergies, as well as narrow their differential diagnosis. And we'll also be looking through some guidelines as well. Yeah, exactly. It's a pretty broad topic. So we're really going to start with the basics and and discuss kind of the history of of where allergy testing came from and how long we've been doing it and how it's evolved over the years. Can you tell us a little about the testing history for allergies in general? Yeah. So, you know... (sighs) Gosh, allergies have been described, um, you know, since the early Egyptians, but but allergy itself really came into into being around the early 1800s, and the first allergy tests were actually done in the late 1800s. An English physician, um, Dr. Blackley, actually used uh, grass pollen, scratched his skin, and noticed a reaction, and he was pretty suspicious that he had grass allergies, so he kind of put two and two together, and then did that with, uh, you know, several uh, several dozen other patients of his. And that's really where the first allergy test came from. That sounds a lot like skin prick testing. So that's exactly what it was. It was a scratch test or a skin prick test. In the early 1920s, uh, several other researchers also did that for both foods and then for aeroallergens as well. And it really became into regular use. Skin testing became into regular use in the late 1920s, 1930s. But you know, Luke, we went for 50 years and we didn't know what we were testing, right? We didn't know what was the molecule responsible for type 1 hypersensitivity reactions. And I can guess, you know, I'll I'll let you guess what happened uh, 50 years later in 1967. Well, wait, uh, okay, 1967. Uh, 
we discover specific IgE, right? Yeah, exactly. Hopefully, the, yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> the last of the immunoglobulins to be discovered. So we'd already had I and G, or I'm sorry, IgG, IgM, um, IgD. But they, they discovered this was a unique immunoglobulin, and it was responsible for type 1 hypersensitivity reactions. Interestingly, kind of figuring out why we actually produce IgE, and this and this is our kind of fun fact for the day because we always like to have this, you know, I, IgE is actually thought to, to really be protective against parasitic infections. And it's only when, uh, you know, when the body kind of starts attacking things that normally it shouldn't like pollens or or foods that we end up with allergies. So so that's where kind of you know IgE and specific IgE being identified started shortly after 1967 the first in vitro blood test for allergy or specific IgE uh, was brought to market and that was in the uh, in the 1970s. An interesting fact is the uh, researchers, uh, some of the researchers that were involved in the discovery of IgE in 67 went on to convince a company to bring specific IgE blood testing to market. That company was Pharmacia and also known as Pharmacia Diagnostics or FADIA. Uh, Thermo Fisher Scientific acquired FADIA in 2011. So, you know, we both work for Thermo Fisher. We've actually been involved in allergy testing since IgE was discovered in 1967. Yeah, and the test that is most commonly used to test for allergic sensitization, looking at specific IgE, is immunocap. And can you tell me the difference between a specific IgE test like immunocap and a RAST test? Because I know that a lot of times people say any sort of blood test looking at specific IgE is a RAST test. Yeah, exactly. So a RAST test has really become a common name, uh, although incorrect name for allergy blood testing, right? So the RAST test is a radioallabsorbent test, and that's actually where the testing started back in the 70s. It hasn't actually been a RAS test, at least Immunocap hasn't since the 1980s. So it's it's changed from a radioallabsorbent to an immunofluorescent test, which has made it a, you know a lot more sensitive, and it actually has clinical equivalency to the other types of allergy tests that we do on a regular basis or that specialists do, and that's skin prick testing. So it's improved over the years in, with automation and and increased binding capacity. And right now, the uh, the Immunocap specific IG blood test test is actually used in greater than 80% of the clinical laboratories in the world. It's really the de facto gold standard for in vitro blood testing for allergy. Yeah. And so you said that immunocap or specific IgE testing is on the same level with skin prick testing when it comes to guidelines and recommendations on how to help diagnose an allergy. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the difference between specific uh, IgE testing and skin prick testing when it comes to how it's done, what patients can it be used on, et cetera? Sure, sure, absolutely. So as I said, they're both in regular clinical use. Skin testing is typically done by specialists, by allergists, but allergists also use in vitro specific IgE blood testing as well. They use them uh, both interchangeably and in a complementary manner, actually. The nice thing about specific IgE blood testing is it's not just limited to specialists, right? So it it, it can be utilized by primary care providers. Really, anyone who orders, uh, who normally orders uh, laboratory testing, can order a specific IgE blood test. And there are some, you know, important differences between the two tests. 
And, you know, that it, it really comes down to one, I mean, the, the skin testing needs to be done by a specialist, although it does have immediate results. So patients can see a visible result as, you know, right, you know, after the test or within 15, 20 minutes. Um, blood testing takes a little bit longer to get the results, as you would imagine, you know, going to a commercial laboratory. Some of the other differences, you know, with skin testing, you have to be off medications that may interfere with their, the patient's response. So things like antihistamines. There are other medications that are, you know, potentially contraindicated with skin testing as well. Things like tricyclic antidepressants and beta blockers. With blood testing, we don't have any of those contraindications. Both tests can be used in patients of any age with uh, suspected allergy-mediated uh, symptoms. But, uh, you know, with, with the blood testing, I think it's important to know that uh, you know, not only can it be done by any provider, can be ordered by any provider, but also it can be used uh, really for any patient. So patients that are pregnant or, you know, extremely young age, it really doesn't matter. There aren't any contraindications to it. Also, when looking at patients who are going to get specific IgE testing, you mentioned that it can be done at any age. And what is the youngest that a, that, um, a patient can get tested or blood drawn for specific IgE blood testing? So literally it is any age. I think most clinicians will wait till about three months till a, till a child has developed, you know, really their own intact immune system. But there are investigations that are actually done on, on cord blood. So it, it can really be done at any age. Okay. And when it comes to guidelines as well, is there anything that providers should keep in mind or practice parameters around specific IgE testing? Yeah, so there's there's a whole slew. And I think, you know, depending on if we're talking about food allergy, if we're talking about rhinitis, you know, in the different disease states is where we typically see these guidelines and practice parameters. You know, one of the areas that we we utilize specific IgE testing a lot, especially in primary care, is is on the respiratory side of things, asthma, rhinitis, and there, you know, on the on the asthma side, we have uh, the Na National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute, uh, you know, part of the NIH, as well as the CDC guidelines, who both um, recommend testing for all persistent asthma. So anybody with, uh, you know, persistent asthma symptoms should be tested for their allergic triggers. The NIH food allergy guidelines uh, also recommend specific IgE blood testing. Um, and then, you know, finally with rhinitis, there's a joint practice parameter. So there's two major organizations in, in the U.S., the American College and the American Academy of Asthma, Allergy, and Immunology. And they often publish joint practice parameters. And they have a, a recent practice parameter on rhinitis actually from 2020 um, that has a strong recommendation with a high level of evidence that recommends aeroallergen testing, whether it be skin or blood testing, uh, to be completed to confirm the diagnosis of allergic rhinitis in patients. Um, glad, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I'm glad you brought up rhinitis uh, just because when a patient is exhibiting symptoms of rhinitis, there, it's often assumed that it's allergic rhinitis. And Sometimes it's non-allergic rhinitis. I, I think it's 65% of patients who are prescribed antihistamines for allergic rhinitis, in fact, do not have allergic rhinitis. <laughs> so that's a lot of med that's a lot of people taking a lot of medicine that may not be helpful. And so I think that there's also power in specific IgE testing to rule out the the role of allergy. And we uh, we call it like the power of the negative, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So so uh, you know, testing has a very high negative predict predictive value. So, you know, when we get a negative and especially, you know, if based upon the history we're sure we've assessed for the right 
potential allergens, um, we can be pretty sure that that's not what's causing the patient's symptoms. And as you said, you know, up to two thirds of patients with a kind of chronic rhinitis symptoms are not allergic. Um, and I think, you know, in, uh, in a lot of ways, we have empirically made the diagnosis of allergic rhinitis without actually, you know, a- any um, objective uh, findings such as testing. And that's why the guidelines really recommend that testing be done in conjunction, of course, with history to come up with a diagnosis. And so looking at results, um, you, you mentioned that the, some of the tests come back as quote unquote negative. What do results for specific IgE blood testing normally look like? Is it just numbers? Is it uh, a gradient? You know, the results are, are pretty straightforward. So as you mentioned, anything, so they uh, basically have a range of 0.10 to 100. And anything in that range is, is considered a positive. And of course, the higher the level of antibodies, so they're measuring the antibodies, the higher the level of antibodies, the more likely that that's the, the allergen or antigen that's causing the symptoms that we tested for. Um, anything below 0.1 is considered negative or undetectable. And in that case, as I said, with a, with a strong negative predictive value, these tests are very good at ruling out allergy, for sure. Can you give maybe an example in your experience? When would you refer a patient, let's say, to an allergist? As let's say your primary care, and a patient comes in and you're suspecting allergies. You had mentioned earlier that specific IgE testing can be done in um, a wide variety of practices. So, so what would be the instance in which you would refer? And then what would be the instance in which you would do testing in primary care? Yeah. That, so that's a great question. And I'm going to give you the second fun fact of the day, Luke. Do you know there's, okay. <laughs> <laughs> do you know there's, there's over 50 million Americans with allergic disease? It's actually the sixth leading cause of chronic illness in the U.S. Um, and the reason I say that when you mention referral is, you know, there's about 4,000 practicing, clinically practicing allergists right now. So primary care really needs to obviously manage a majority of these patients and then be able to, you know, optimally refer those patients that need the allergist expertise. So how this testing really can be used anytime we have a suspected you know, allergy mediated disease. And it can be, we can be talking about food. We can be talking about upper respiratory like rhinitis, lower respiratory like asthma. Um, In any of those cases, you know, phenotyping those patients first. So allergic versus non-allergic, right? And then once they're allergic, you know, identifying what specifically is driving symptoms so that we can target that. And, you know, the number one treatment for, for allergy is removal or reduction of that causative allergen. And this, the second treatment is then, you know, medications, especially when we're talking about uh, respiratory allergy. So, uh, you know, I think it's important that primary care kind of incorporate, right, the testing early on with any of those patients. And then, you know, the patients that don't respond to exposure reduction or have a complex case or potentially need biologics or maybe candidates for immunotherapy, those are all great patients to refer on to the specialist, to the allergist to manage. But I think a majority of the patients certainly are managed and can be managed in primary care. It's important to to really do our best job with them and give them the best possible information around their disease. Oh, think, think, how many fun facts do you have, Gary? Like, oh. I, I just saw you shuffling around when I was asking that question, <laughs> reaching for papers. <laughs> how, many, how many index cards you got hidden about oh, allergies in that room? <laughs> you know what? There's, there's, there's so many fun facts in the head that I can't remember to pick up milk on the way home, right? So yeah. it's, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have lots more uh, in, in future podcasts for sure. You, you end up with dry cereal, but a lot of allergy knowledge. So. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> well, 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 back to specific IgE though, uh, ordering these types of tests, um, can you talk through a little bit about how to order? I know that it involves different lab codes and all that. And I'm ultimately, you know, setting <laughs> you up to talk about the lab ordering guide, which is something we're really excited to to share with providers who are listening in right now. Yeah. So as I, as I mentioned, you know, all the major labs offer offer the testing. A lot of regional and hospital labs offer it as well. And the way they offer it may be, you know, it's a little bit different depending on on the different labs. So it's important to kind of get familiar with the labs that you're working with. When we talk about respiratory allergies, what's typically recommended is ordering a, uh, a respiratory profile. And that, you know, that there's usually one that's specific to your geography. The important thing to know about ordering a, a respiratory profile is that it's a very efficient way to order. So we're not going to order things we don't need. Um, you know, we don't have to, Luke, you're in New York. We don't have to order every grass, tree, or weed that grows in New York State, right? The ones that are on these profiles were selected by experts to be very representative uh, through cross-reactivity. So by ordering these profiles, it allows us to have a really nice negative, or a negative and positive predictive value of someone with you know, suspected respiratory allergy. You mentioned the lab ordering guides, and I'll let you talk a little bit more about that, but it, it, it's really a, a nice feature that, that is offered in order to help people find out exactly, you know, in, where they're located, what labs are offering the testing, and what the codes are. Yeah, so like Gary said, uh, a lot of different labs offer specific IgE testing, and these profiles are very important to use for the reasons that Gary stated also. And so we've gone and created a hub of all these different profiles from all these different types of labs. It doesn't matter what lab you use, but if you're looking for a profile, a respiratory profile, or a food profile, we have found all the, the best codes for you to use. And so if you go to thermofisher.com slash lab ordering guide and enter your zip code, it'll pull up all the labs in your area or most of them. And then you can sort through to see, okay, this is the code for the most concise respiratory profile. Because I've heard stories as I've talked to doctors in the past that there is a ton of codes out there for a ton of profiles. And sometimes you're getting things you don't need and other times you're getting not enough. Um, I, I have spoken to providers who are ordering panels where they're just getting like strawberry and <laughs> some other berries. But this is a very concise guide to find the codes that you need to help you diagnose and better manage your patients. I don't, do you have anything else to say on that, Gary? Or No, I, you know, I, I think I just want to kind of discuss kind of what the future is for our Immunocast podcast. And, you know, it was important to kind of set the stage around specific IgE testing on this first episode. But, you know, a lot of the topics that we're going to cover in the future um, will be more in-depth on the different disease states, but it will also be covering a lot of current uh, research that's coming out, um, some more interesting uh, interesting facts as well. And um, I'm just looking forward to uh, having some additional conversations with you, Luke and, and uh, bringing our, our clinicians really the information that they need to, to better help their patients every day. Yeah, I'm excited to, to talk about some of the interesting topics that we were brainstorming about. I know we were talking about cockroach allergy and the shellfish because the, the shell is the same protein. And there's a lot of interesting things when it comes to allergy. 
But if you're interested in listening to more Immunocast, go to thermofisher.com slash Immunocast. And if you go to this episode's specific page, you'll also be able to find resources, some practice parameters, and additional bits of information um, if you're interested in learning more about specific IgE testing. So thanks for listening in to the first episode. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye, everybody. Immunocast is brought to you by Immunocap Specific IgE Testing and Fadia Laboratory Systems, products of Thermo Fisher Scientific. For more information on allergies and specific IgE testing, please visit thermofisher.com slash immunocast. Specific IgE testing is an aid to healthcare providers in the diagnosis of allergy and cannot alone diagnose a clinical allergy. Clinical history alongside specific IgE testing is needed to diagnose a clinical allergy. The content of this podcast is not intended to be and should not be interpreted as or substitute professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Any medical questions pertaining to one's own health should be discussed with a healthcare provider.